Before we get started today, I wanted to remind you guys that the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny is fueled by Gatorade. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with a G. Also, the ESPN College Football Podcast is now five days a week. Hosts Kirk Herbstreet, David Pollock, and Kevin Agondi are back and joined this year by Reese Davis, Matt Berry, Paul Feinbaum, Booger McFarlane, Joey Galloway. Oh my goodness. From weekend reaction to weekend previews, the ESPN College Football Podcast has it covered by the voices and perspectives you'll want to hear from. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're an ESPN Plus subscriber, join a fantasy football league now for a chance to win $250,000. Sweepstakes is U.S. only, 18 or older. No purchase necessary. Visit ESPN.com slash ESPN Plus football rules for full details and official rules. Welcome to the Venicom Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts got off the pup list about 10 years ago. That's Lenny. I think he's 10. I'm not so sure because we were told he was three when we adopted him, but you never really know. Uh, but he's here. I'm here. Charles McDonald is here. You know him from this podcast, from where he writes at Further Win. He has his own podcast, The Counter. Charles, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on. You know, it, it feels like a normal-ish football season, I guess, because we finally got preseason this year and we just uh, got through that and I'm ready for the regular season kickoff and there's no better way to kick off the season than coming on the Mina Kimes show. Well, (laughs) I was like wondering what we would talk about and I was kind of like thinking about, because now the division previews are done, by the way, if you miss them, we covered every division so you can go back through the backlog and find, you know, the team you root for, you know, but this is kind of a, now that the preseason is only three weeks, there's a bit of a quiet period between now and the open, but it's really not quiet because a lot is happening. So much is happening. Um, And I've come up with the conceit for this show that I'm just calling right call, wrong call. And basically, I'm going to present to you a decision made by an NFL team in the wake of the preseason, preseason, and then I want you to tell me whether or not you think it was the right call or the wrong call. Does that sound okay? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Well, we have to start with something I was planning on talking about. I didn't expect it to be this newsy or crazy, but... Um, the big news of the day, I suspect the week, is that New England has cut ties with Cam Newton and made Mac Jones the unquestioned starter at week one. And this actually already screws up the conceit because it's kind of like two separate decisions. Um, there's the decision to start Mac Jones, and then there's the decision to cut Cam. And the Mac one, I feel like you and I can have the right call, wrong call discussion about. The decision about cutting Cam is a little complicated, Charles, because I we don't actually know whether Cam asked for a release. Like, if he asked for a release, makes sense. I get it. It, it. Otherwise, it's really less about Cam losing the job to Mac Jones, which, again, I want to talk to you about Mac Jones and him being the starter, and more about, like, well, why wouldn't you? You're, you're the Patriots. You're a playoff team why wouldn't you want to keep Cam Newton as your backup over Brian Hoyer? He's Cam Newton actually had a decent preseason, one of, if not the best backups in the NFL. Um, you know, it's a little speculative without knowing what Cam asked for. I think the only real argument, unless Cam asked his way out, which we can talk about his prospects, but the only real argument I think you could make is that it would be tricky from a locker room standpoint to have Cam Newton like looming over Mac Jones' shoulder. And normally I write that stuff off, like 
you know, it's when you hear about like, oh, the young quarterback, you don't want the veteran behind him. I think that kind of is lame. But to me, that's not a knock on Cam. If anything, it's a compliment to him because dudes love him. And he's like, you know, a, a very it's not Brian Hoyer, to put it that way. Yeah. And I mean, based on what we know, like over the past year and a half or year and change they spent with New England, like it seemed like Belichick was yeah. a pretty big fan of Cam, the person too. Uh, and, you know, like you said, I thought Cam played really well this preseason, honestly. Uh, I thought the big thing with Cam was that his arm strength looked like it was like all the way back. I mean, the, the pass that he had uh, against the Giants that was intercepted by Blake Martinez, which was just a crazy play by Blake. I mean, he ripped that ball like 20, 30 yards down the field. Uh, he had some plays against the Eagles where it looked like he finally had that arm strength that we were used to seeing back. So I, I guess like from a, a – a performance in Towns' perspective, I kind of thought that Cam had done enough to kind of for them to go along with the initial plan that they had said uh, at the time that Mac was drafted was that Cam was going to be the starter and Mac was going to be the backup. But I, I, you know, and this is speculative because, like you said, we don't know if Cam asked for this release right. or something else happened. But those days where Cam missed practice and you just kind of see because you know there was a mix-up with the test and he didn't have the test a day you're supposed to have it or whatever and he ended up missing you know five days of practice as as the protocol says i wonder if that kind of showed bill belichick like oh man like the protocols around these unvaccinated players like that's a really fragile thing that can yeah. kind of derail a game or a season and you know this is a team last year as bad as that supporting cast was and as many players as they were missing on defense due to opt-outs, you know, they finished seven and nine in, in, in today's NFL climate with seven playoff teams, seven and nine, like that's enough to kind of get you close to a, a wild card berth if, if enough things go your way. So I think Belichick is looking at this like, Hey, we have all these guys that we saw in the off season with Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Uh, you're getting guys in the defense back like Dante Hightower. You added Matt Judon, a ton of guys on the defensive line. This is a team that he is expecting can go out and I, I think from his perspective win the AFC East. Like I don't see why he wouldn't have that expectation placed upon his team. And if you're sitting there like there's on any given day, my starting quarterback could miss a game. And as good as the top of the AFC East is with the Bills and the Dolphins, I just don't know if that's really a viable plan that you can go with. And then obviously the way that Mac played in uh, the preseason probably made that decision a little bit easier. So. Uh, I think that the the threat of Cam's inavailability might have uh, pushed them towards this direction, but it, it's kind of hard because Cam did play well enough to, I think, yeah. to lock up one of these third two starting jobs in the in the regular season. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, that's a good point about the vaccination status. Like I, I mentioned the locker room thing, but that also is a ding against him. Like if you if you're Bill Belichick, and again, we're talking about Cam as a backup, right? Um, we'll talk about Mac Jones as the starter and how well he played. But if you're weighing, okay, on one hand, this is one of the best backups in the NFL and I'm a playoff team. And why would you let a very, very good quarterback walk out the door? Who's very cheap. On the other hand, you've got the young rookie quarterback who you want to be the unquestioned leader. Okay. But then also, as you said, uh, that good backup could uh, potentially be unavailable to you or make other players unavailable right. to you. Like right. that is a real, real thing. Now we don't know who wanted out, but we do know that Cam Newton is now a free agent and Adam Schefter was on NFL live today. Charles, and he said every player 
every time a team now gets a call from an agent, they are asking, okay, well, what's the vaccination status? So there's certainly factors in uh, to the decision about whether or not you're going to sign a guy. Like I, I think with Cam, again, you're talk. There's two conversations to be had. There's the starter conversation and the backup. I don't think there's a team in the NFL right now that's likely to give him a look as a starter outside of maybe Houston. Um, like yeah. I've seen names like Denver, Carolina thrown out. Nah, those teams aren't bringing him in as a starter. I do think there's a lot of teams that could potentially be looking at him as a backup that should be looking at him um, with, again, the vaccination thing looming. Teams like you're hearing Dallas, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Tennessee, where I believe Logan Woodside is QB2. Uh, you know, that's an, uh, like playoff teams, basically, Charles, like where, you know, you might lose your quarterback for one or two games or whatever, and you want someone who can actually come in and win. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it's just it's hard right now because it's it's so late in the offseason that there's no yeah. spot really that you can go and say, oh, can't can go compete for a starting job here. I mean, I, I guess like if he wants to go to Houston and that's something that they're interested in. Sure. Like maybe you can go beat out Tyrod Taylor and play for the worst team in the NFL, but I'm not sure if that's something that Cam Newton wants at this point in his career. And I don't know if, you know, that's something that the Texans even want at this point in their franchise history. Uh, it, it's just a real delicate situation. I, and I think, you know, another point with the vaccination stuff is all NFL teams, they have a example of what happens when your quarterback room gets wiped out due to, uh, you know, uh, players testing positive in close contact stuff. We saw that with the Broncos last year when they had to play that uh, guy who played quarterback and the turn receiver, and they played him against the Saints, and he threw like nine passes, and it was just a horrible football game. And if you're a team that's in playoff contention, that's something that you can't really mess around with. So, you know, it, it makes sense that these teams are calling uh, agents and asking about vaccination status because if I can't count on you to be there, and as, you know, just putting it frankly, as the pandemic continues to get worse and worse and worse by the day, it seems with this Delta variant just ripping through people, that's not really something you can count on. And Cam didn't play quite well enough last year for him to be in that tier where you're like, mm. okay, we can we can go through this and, and take those chances even though he's not vaccinated. It's just that kind of the 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 spot that he's found himself in and kind of put himself in too. Is that the Lamar Jackson tier? Is that what we're calling it? Yeah, I guess the Lamar Jackson tier because there's no reason no way they're going to cut him. <laughs> uh, yeah, truly. Um, well, by the way, Baltimore, another team that it's funny. Like, God, you'd think they would, that would be a team where you might look at Cam, but again, you really want to bring in another potentially unbacked <laughs> score? I don't know. Okay, um, let's talk about Mac because it's funny to me. Like, the big controversy with around the story, not controversy, but the debate is about the cut not the starting decision because I, I I suspect right call wrong call I'm really forcing this conceit um you don't maybe you disagree I think the Pats made the right call I mean I and I was someone who did not expect I thought Mac Jones was going to be eased in as a starter especially because you know Cam Newton had a good preseason and I have some questions still about how much of that preseason will immediately translate to the regular season that we can talk about but I gotta say, Charles, like, I like he had. I, it's not. I re, I tweeted near flawless and then immediately regret it because, of course, on literally the next play, he took like an unnecessary sack. But Mac Jones was really freaking good this preseason. Um, 
I think you saw he is the kind of quarterback who plays really well during preseason because the things that are going to be challenging for him um, in terms of, you know, unique looks on defense, post-snap, disguise, pressure packages, that's not stuff you're really going to see a lot of. And the things that he is really good at, accuracy, decision-making, accuracy, 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 are things that shine in the preseason. But he really did pass every test with flying colors. Yeah, and I think the the thing with Mac Jones is basically all the people who were pro Mac Jones during uh, the draft cycle, like all the things that they said about him looked to be true to this point where, you know, yeah. when things are, are working right and the protections there, he's someone like when he gets into a rhythm, like that ball's coming out is where it needs to be. Uh, he made some throws down the field that I thought were impressive, even throws that weren't completed, uh, throws in tight windows. Like when everything's set for him, like he looks like, uh, a pretty good quarterback, and I, and we're going to see what happens when uh, the Bulls start flying a little bit more during the regular regular season. I think like the only thing that would give me a little pause with Mac, and I, I just don't really know if this is even something that uh, he grows out of during his career, is like when stuff breaks down and the pocket starts yeah. to break down, he's not someone that can like run away and go make a, another play on his own. But luckily for him, like the Patriots, if they can stay healthy this year, it looks like they're going to have one of the better – uh, offensive lines in the league because I mean that interior is pretty solid to get Trent Brown uh, get Trent Brown back from the Raiders uh, and Isaiah Wynn if he can stay healthy he's a, a quality left tackle as well so with Mac you know it, it, I was a little bit surprised to see him play as well as he did uh, I thought he showed more zip on his balls than he did at Alabama like some of the throws that he was making Me in too. tight windows were the the, the seam pretty- route to Isaiah Zuber I think he's no longer a Patriot by the way the tight end in yeah. the in week three like holy guacamole that ball was yeah on the money yeah it, it's coming out fast and you know that that has to be encouraging I think sometimes you forget that you know these guys are young and they can still grow and get stronger like Max only mm. 23 he's going to turn 23 in a couple of days like you, you're still quite having to hit your your physical prime like as far as your your strength goes there so you know that's an area that we can still see improved and uh, I don't really know if I would say like it's the right or wrong decision to start Mac Jones because just based on their performance, I didn't really feel strongly one way or the other. I, I thought that yes. they were both qualified to start based on what film they put together. Uh, and now we're just going to have to see what Mac looks like against you know starters because he hasn't played uh, all that much against starters. I know the Giants uh, in that last game, they still had some of their starters out like late in the second quarter because uh, I remember Leonard Williams was out there chasing around towards the end. But yeah. we're going to see what Max made of. But I thought that just based on performance, they're both qualified. And if you are if you feel good about both of them, then I think Mac probably has more, more positive in terms of availability. And obviously, you just spent a first-round pick on him. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I think back to something Ben Solak said – before the draft, he came on and talked about the quarterbacks with me, like way before the draft. And he said, Mac Jones is going to look awesome against bad defenses. Like he's that kind of quarterback. And I think it's true. He does. I don't think that means he's going to look bad against good defenses, by the way. I think, you know what I mean? Like those two things don't necessarily, it's not like necessarily one or the other. Um, I do think he's got a very difficult test in week one. So like you get the, we were talking before, this is such a great matchup between Miami and New England because on one hand you get Tua versus Mac, kind of like the, you know, uh, the quarterback versus his heir. And then on the other hand, you got Belichick versus Flores, which is a similar uh, dynamic teacher-student, have you surpassed me? Um, Very Star Wars-ish. But I think, like, 
this Dolphins defense is going to give him hell, right? Like they are, and, yeah. and, and, and I alluded to this a little bit. You talked about the Giants leaving their defensive starters again. He was a little tripped up a, a few points where he held on to the football a little bit longer than he had in the first two weeks because um, of some of the tricks they were playing in the back. And I think, and, and he took sacks because he doesn't have that sort of athleticism where he's going to create if he's a little bit confused and, you know, he has nice pocket mobility. And I think you did see that on display, but you also saw a little bit of an inability to escape pressure. Now you make a great point. This is a really good offensive line. It's the best possible landing spot for him. That's going to mitigate a lot of that as well as his quick release. But you know, it's not the ideal matchup for him week one. And I think like, I'm very excited to watch. I I, I would not be surprised Charles, if they go super run heavy candidly, um, which I think is something they're going to do anyways because they've got like an awesome running game in New England. But the Flores is going to do everything possible to make his life very confusing. Yeah, and I think an interesting thing with Mac, uh, as far as this transition goes for him, is like personnel-wise, this is such a different offense than he played with in Alabama. And obviously, like Alabama, no one's going to match like. You got a million first-round picks at receiver every year. But just in terms of, like, the talent level, like, this this Patriots offense, they have obviously, like, one of the best uh, tight end rooms in the league with Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. And Johnny can do some wide receiver things. But even with the, the additions of Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, I wouldn't quite call, like, their receivers a, a big strength for them. And mm. I think it's going to be an adjustment for Mac going from all right, you know, I got dudes that are going to win one-on-one on the outside pretty much every time to maybe having a more middle-of-the-field center offense with those tight ends and and how they get to use those tight ends is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to, I think, say a lot about the production that he can put up uh, in his rookie year just because, like I said, we haven't seen him in an offense where he's going to be throwing the ball a bunch to tight ends, and that's going to be a little bit of a change yeah. for him. You know, that's that's what the coaches are there for. That's what the offensive line is there for. And if they can make that transition smooth for him as they get him receivers down the road, uh, you know, this pick has a chance of working out. Uh, I, I've just been pretty impressed with what I've seen so far. That's a really good point about the difference in the offense. Like, yes, there's going to be some similarities. You know, the RPOs, a lot of play action, straight dropbacks. But, like, you know, the, the, this is very matchup-based, this New England offense. Like, they, they are going to yeah. be hunting – mismatches with those tight ends and it's going to be incumbent upon Mac Jones to take advantage of them. All right. The next one I feel like is a little bit less, you know, friendly, (laughs) um, right call or wrong call the bears starting Andy Dalton week one. Oh, I think it's a wrong call. I, I just don't try to play devil's advocate by the way. I'm going to do my best, but continue. I I don't even know if I'm going to believe what I'm about to say, but I'm going to try (laughs) I just don't really see the need to to start Andy Dalton. Like, we know what this is. Uh, we saw Andy uh, in Dallas for the most part last year, like with a pretty good group of receivers, and it was it was like Andy Dalton not looking too great. So, I I, I guess they're trying to bring Justin Fields along slowly, but I don't really see the need to to do all that. I mean, you traded a first round pick for the guy. Obviously, if anyone's going to save Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's job, it's Justin Fields. So maybe they're just trying to delay it as long as possible so maybe they can extend this into next year for job security reasons. But just as far as on-the-field stuff goes, there's no reason to to play Andy Dalton over Justin Fields. And I know that Justin didn't play uh, against like first-string defenses in uh, the preseason all that much. Maybe he did a little bit against the Titans at the end, but – 
just in terms of what they both offer. Uh, because with that offensive line, you're going to need to do a lot of problem solving on the fly. And just from the stuff that we saw with Justin Fields uh, under pressure, I mean, we saw him run against the Bills uh, on a broken play that went like 20 yards in the scramble. Uh, when he gets going, like that 4-4 speed really pops off the screen. So I, I would just be more inclined to start him. And honestly, one thing that I think was really exciting about Justin Fields was that the accuracy, for the most part, was like outstanding. The, the throw uh, that he had in the end zone against the Titans, he had a couple throws deep down the field against the Bills that weren't completed, but they were on the money. I mean, the guy is just a really talented thrower of a football. I think the only... I guess like slight that I have against Justin Fields is that sometimes maybe he's a little bit too willing to let plays run out or maybe the game is moving a little bit too fast for him, but that's something that's going to be fixed with reps. And we all know who has a higher ceiling there. Uh, I just don't really find a, a legitimate viable reason to start Andy Dalton over Justin Fields, just based on what we know about this offensive line and what we know about what they gave up for him too. I don't think I can get myself to make this argument. I, you, while you were talking, I was trying to like work up the um, enthusiasm, I guess, the outrage or the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the necessary ability to, to mount the argument that Justin Fields shouldn't be allowed to play behind this horrible offensive line. But I, I think... I think they're bad, first of all. They're bad. And, and what was so dispiriting, I think, about week three was that those were the starters, I believe, for the most part, right? Like, um, yeah. I mean, Tevin Jenkins is obviously out until I think like November. So, but you had Jason Peters on the left side. Um, and then Jermaine Effetti was back. The center is a problem. Uh, I forget his name, but he's a problem. Um, and then you got White Aaron Daniels. But it's not somebody told me that i guess on nfl network david carr was like they're, they're gonna break justin fields like they broke me dude like have you seen justin fields move like i i mean yeah. it's not it first of all the nfl offenses are very different now from 2003 when that was and but also i think like justin field has the ability and the athleticism to protect himself um now that doesn't mean it's gonna look good at times and you know, he's going to receive a lot of unfair criticism, probably, um, despite being in, you know, pretty much like diametrically op opposed situation from the one we just talked about in New England. But I just think you forget about Matt Nagy's job. I don't care about that. You, you owe it to your team to try to win. You owe it to the defense. Yeah. You owe it to Allen Robinson, who, by the way, Justin Fields didn't get to play with. So I think. You know, right. he was, I mean, that sick touchdown pass was to Jesper Horstead. I don't know if he's a bear now. I don't know if he's still is either. <laughs> no, that, that was maybe the best throw of any rookie this preseason. Um, yeah. So I, I, I just think the only case you can argue is like, oh, like, you know, let's see if we can get the offensive line to gel a little bit based on compared to how they looked in the preseason. They only played together as a unit at the very end, but I don't think that's enough of an argument to counter hey, let's get him reps. Let's give this team a chance to win. Yeah. Uh, kind of drop a little NFL news that I just saw on Twitter. Oh. Uh, per the wire, the Patriots have released Brian Hoyer. So right now, I think Mac Jones is the only what? quarterback on the roster. Maybe Jared Stidham is there, but that's... Oh, uh, Stidham is there, yeah. Stidham is there. Yeah. But, but going back back to fields, uh, you know, one, one thing that you've seen people say is that they 
you know, don't want to play in week one against Aaron Donald or whatever. But to me, like, if you're that afraid of playing him week one against Aaron Donald, like, Aaron Donald's not the only, it's not the only time You got time Miles Garrett go week him. three, man. Miles Garrett clown, right, like, right. come on. It's not getting easier. And, and in your in your own division, you have the Packers who have Zadari Smith and Kenny Clark and Preston Smith. You got the Vikings who have Daniil Hunter. I mean, he's going to see a lot of good defensive linemen uh, just – just by nature of, of playing in the NFL. So I don't really buy the argument that, you know, you, you want to hide him from Aaron Donald because look, Aaron Donald catches everybody at some point. And when you're going to, you're going to play the Rams again, like you, you're going to sit him down. No, if you think he's good enough to start, then start him. It doesn't really matter who you're going against. Cause you know, rookies are going to have bad games. And I think you just kind of got to accept that and, and hope that they don't compound themselves and, and, and add up for the future. Yeah. I think that's, um, really important when it comes to feels and kind of these expectations, like just because he like he, he's going to, like I said, there's going to be some real ugly stuff and most of it won't, a lot of it won't be his fault, but that doesn't mean it was the wrong decision to start him, you know? And I, I feel like these days with rookie quarterbacks and this decision of like, when should they start? We're so obsessed with finding the exact right time. Like you see people trying to time it out on the schedules often like, Oh, this, this, they got the week soft part of the schedule here and I don't really get that like you know I, I to me you know it's going to be invaluable to get him an opportunity to get those reps with the starters against good defenses so he can learn um now that said mm-hmm. I, I'm not super high on this football team right now even right. if he does play even let's say let, let's say Andy Dalton gets benched at halftime which by the way Entirely possible. Very possible. <laughs> Entirely possible. <laughs> Sunday night, baby. Um, I even if Justin Fields comes in, and even if he looks as promising as he did in the preseason, and in the ways you just described, in terms of uh, especially the way the arm and the uh, the rushing ability speaks for itself too. I, 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 I there were a lot of things that concerned me about the defense, some of the holes that popped up, particular in the secondary, where I don't think like he would have to have a really really special season to overcome some of those issues yeah uh and just looking at the the bear schedule you got tampa bay which is a hell defense as we know 49ers steelers ravens i mean you're not you're not running away from these good defensive linemen anytime soon so if you think he's good enough to play week one just do it uh but you know for whatever reason they seem stuck on the andy dalton train which is good luck to you how long okay let's try to predict how long do you think that train stays on the rails because they're going to get their asses kicked in week one right yeah honestly week one might it might be it It might be week one because they get the Bengals week two yeah yeah Bengals week two then you got browns and then lions so i guess if you want to ease them in just let andy get destroyed against the rams and then let Justin get that coming out party against the Bengals, take your licks against the Browns, and then you got Lions and Raiders. So we're doing uh, the thing that, I that just said be... you, you shouldn't do. Which know, is, we're, doing we're not it. doing it. We're just saying what they're going to do, not that we think they should try to yeah. time it out this way. We're doing it the cool way. <laughs> All right. Well, um, speaking of doing things the cool way, we're going to talk about the Niners and their two cute. Have you, what's that meme? It's like, I'm a man of unconventional taste. Oh, it's like 50 Shades of Grey. Do you remember that? That. Um, I have unconventional tastes meme that went around no. for a while. Okay. Well, that is awkward, but that's what I keep thinking of when I think about Kyle Shanahan rotating his quarterbacks. Let's get to that after the break. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza. 
the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. Okay, this one I think is the most divisive of the questions. Right call, wrong call for Kyle Shanahan to roll with two quarterbacks. Uh, I've I've wavered on this a lot, Charles. I yeah. I've I've thought it. I've thought about it a lot. At first, I thought it was idiotic. Then I thought, mm, then I you know that okay, different meme, the kombucha girl meme. That's been me watching. Kyle okay. Shannon's approach. That one you know, right? Kombucha Girl? Yes. Okay, so that's been my face watching this preseason. Ah, uh, man, this is tough. I think I'll go with right call for now. Can I cop out with that? Right call that's how for I now? Feel. I mean, that's kind of how I feel, so that's fair. Yeah. Uh, because honestly, like, I'm, I'm really excited about Trey Lance and just, like, the idea of Kyle Shanahan with, like, a super physically gifted quarterback, but you know, I, I think you see like sometimes in the drop back game during the preseason, uh, you kind of see why Kyle Shanahan has been like, eh, we're going to roll with Jimmy mm, at, yeah. at times. Like you can see why he might feel more comfortable with that. But then the the options in the running game that Trey Lance gives you, and obviously and also with someone as creative as Kyle Shanahan when it comes to running the ball, like uh, – play that he had against the goal line where you're defending last week in the preseason game you're you have to defend like three different options in the same play and then also the quarterback can run a four or five and can run you over like it's it's there's so much going on there that i think for now like the two quarterback system might work for them like maybe jimmy uh is your main guy and when you get kind of get a little bit closer you use trey lance to help you punch it in because i just don't really see with that offensive mind and that quarterback talent how you like consistently stop them uh, in the red zone. That's going to be pretty tough, but uh, I, it's also tough because I just can't really think of a a situation where an NFL team has like pulled their starting quarterback 
repeatedly during the course of the game in, in favor yes. of someone else. So that could, that could get uh, a little bit sloppy. But, you know, I, I still think that Trey might need some seasoning on the bench. And I, I, the, the thing that I get worried about with Trey sometimes is that you've sat for so long. Like, you haven't really played. Yes. Uh, haven't really played since 2019. I know you had the one game last year, but that's just not that much football being played over the course of, you know, going on two years now. Do you really want to sit him for another season and say, all right, 2022, you're going to get in there cold? Like maybe you just start the transition sooner rather than later and get him going. But just for where they are right now, and I know that they have like Super Bowl aspirations, they got some veterans on the offensive line that would like to at least get close to another ring. Uh, maybe the two quarterback situation is the best thing for you to have productive offense right now. I totally agree. I think he's trying to split the baby, so to speak. I mean, and it's not what's best. I don't think it's what's best for Trey Lance. Like just, if you just isolated Trey Lance, I think it would be better, best for him as a long-term project for the San Francisco 49ers to start immediately, take his lumps as a passer, obviously, and just to talk about him as a passer, by the way, it's worth kind of dwelling on. Like I was thinking about Lamar Jackson because um, Lamar, you, you remember when he, when the, the Ravens drafted him, they also did the weird kind of, I think he played like maybe like a 5% of snaps or something at first. It was like they had the Lamar package and it was always a little bit awkward. And it, I was thinking about that watching Trey in the preseason. It was like, okay, imagine if you had only watched Lamar Jackson um, throw the ball. Uh, well, first of all, Lamar Jackson was a more developed passer than Trey Lance coming out of college. So yeah. there's that. And, and not, a, not just passer, by the way, in, in a lot of different ways as a quarterback. But also, um, it, it, to me, is an example. Like, if Matt Jones is the kind of quarterback who thrives in the preseason, not saying he's not going to thrive in the regular season, Trey Lance is the kind of quarterback who's very hard to evaluate in the preseason because you're cutting off half of his game. Like the first two weeks, yeah. they didn't even do a design run game. So you're watching him and you're seeing a guy who at times makes really special throws uh, and then at times looked really erratic, right? Which is kind of who we knew right. he was at a college. But you're not giving him through weeks one and two in the preseason the option that there's no the, – the rushing attack is neutered and that rushing attack also, as you've seen with Lamar, opens up so much in the passing game. Then week three, you see finally for the first time, as, as you alluded to, like, oh shit, right? Like, the, I mean, he, Kyle finally lets us, gives us like a little glimpse at it. I mean, you're talking about the goal line run, which is hilarious because like that, he could have done that from any point where on the field and it would have just been grass. But the um, the handoff to Mostert that a lot of people posted, it was the counter bash run. Uh, like if Trey had kept, I mean, it was comical. Like it was just yeah. not only open field, but blockers, like, that's going to be the case all season long. So I feel like I, I, I think it's complicated because I, I do see why there's some hesitation based on some of his struggles as a passer. And by the way, there was not just struggles, but he also should have turned the ball over a few times. And I see I, I feel Kyle watching that and being like, oh, we, we're a team that can win now. I don't want to put I don't want a quarterback to put us in that position. I get that. But. I, he just needs he needs to play quarterback for the team sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. And the that game, the last preseason game we saw the the running game start to open up. I was like, oh my god! Like they, <laughs> once he starts, they are going to absolutely 
shred teams on the ground because I think that 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 counter bash uh, play you were talking about is important because uh, you know the Ravens run that a lot with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Basically, what bash means is the back is going away from the blocking scheme. So you have like the two pull two offensive linemen. They'll pull and they'll go towards the offensive uh, towards the middle of the offensive line uh, up to the second level. So you have, for example, on one of the plays, you'll have the offensive lineman, they'll pull left, and then the running back will go right. And then Trey has the option to either hand it off or keep it himself and follow the blockers up the middle of the field. Well, what the Ravens do, like, most of the time, Lamar's just going to keep that himself. Like, they don't – most of the times they don't really hand that ball off all that often. But with the 49ers, Raheem Mostert, like, you got someone with 4-3 speed who might not need blockers in front of him to go get yeah. a 10, 15-yard gain, which makes it so hard on the defense because – well, if I commit to Trey Lance, well, I got someone with like legitimate Olympic speed running out in the open field. If I commit to Raheem Mostert, oh no, here's Trey Lance with uh, Trent Williams and Alex Mack running in front of him. And now my linebackers are getting pummeled by just like three behemoths, one of which has a ball in his hand. So, you know, this is stuff that's like even different from what Kyle Shanahan had with Robert Griffin because Robert yes. Griffin back in those days, that's not someone you want running between the tackles, but Physically, Trey is someone that can handle that. So you're putting a lot of stress on the defense, not just like schematically, but physically, like what those players can do. It's just such a hard thing to do. And then we'll see the RPO game uh, evolve upon that. And they already have the devastating play action series stuff. So, I mean, once Trey really gets up to speed with how the NFL game is played, like that offense, even if it's not always the most efficient passing offense as he you know, kind of learns that the run game is going to be unbelievably fun to watch as they get going. Unless you're an NFL linebacker, in which case it is going to be your waking yeah. nightmare at all hours. Uh, Trey Lance is huge. I feel like yeah, <laughs> it was used. It's been useful for me to see him with like around actual NFL players uh, as opposed to, I don't know, the South Dakota state jackrabbits or whoever, because um, he looked gigantic against them, but he looks gigantic. Uh, with, you know, in the preseason. Uh, And watching him, Charles, and thinking about that run game, I was thinking about Cam Newton, you know, who's another quarterback who you could have running power. And I I was kind of tossing around the idea, well, how many, like, how much do you want Trey to be subject to the sort of hits that Cam took running some of those concepts? But I think it's fine because, frankly, of Kyle Shanahan and and what, how many elements there are are too and it, it in addition to Trey Lance like you talk about Mostert who by the way this was his first time back in the preseason he wasn't in weeks one and two and I wonder if that also well I, no that's probably they probably did the run stuff just to mind can I say mind well I just did mind defensive coordinators that, honestly like that quarter added an hour of work to every yeah. defensive coach's workload and um yeah so like the creativity of the run game. Like this is a run game that was already devastating with Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo. I don't think people understand that. Like I, I just, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. So I think maybe this starts off as like an 80, 20 split between Jimmy. And I think maybe by like week four, assuming Lance is not making bad decisions even if the accuracy is still coming along on a down-to-down basis, I feel like the that sort of ratio begins to flip. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, our buddy Stephen Ruiz he wrote something interesting today. Like 
could this even mirror what happened with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick back in the day where, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not a bad team, but maybe you just need a little bit more, more juice on offense. And I, I'm not going to, you know, predict an, an injury for Jimmy G or anything, but, uh, you know, we know the dynamic that Trey has that Jimmy doesn't. And I just want to see how long Kyle is going to be able to help himself from putting that on the field full time. Just to wrap this up, like I've already seen the, like, is Kyle, does Kyle regret taking Trey over Mac already take? And no, no, but also God damn it. It's week three of preseason. Like, what are we doing people? What are we doing? And I I just, he might, he might, it could totally, you know, if Mac Jones is the next Tom Brady and Trey's accuracy never improves, maybe, but I'm, I'm, I am opting out of that discussion right now. Yeah, same. All right. Um, one last right call, wrong call, before we get to Dinks and Ducks, because Dinks and Ducks, I want to talk about like all of the really, really big pieces of NFL news. Actually, I, I didn't ask you about this, so I'm very, I, I'm just going to ask you straight up. Did the Broncos make the right call in going with Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, yeah, I, I think they did, but like I, I also have kind of like a, I guess a, nihil- a nihilistic point of view on this. Like, I'll say this: I, I think that Vic Fangio definitely made the best decision for himself based on things yeah, that he I... said, about, things that he said about Drew Locke in the past. Uh, not always the most flattering guy. He, he'll he'll tell it like you see it. And I think Vic Fangio made the best move for him because as a defensive guy, and that defense is loaded. Uh, like they have yeah. so much talent, especially in the secondary. Uh, Von Miller looks great. Uh, Bradley Chubb is back. So, you know, they're going to be able to stop some people. The one thing that they don't want is turnovers. And I guess, like, you know, Teddy turns the ball over himself, like, a, a, a little bit. But it's not – it doesn't just – I guess it just doesn't seem, like, as crazy as the ways that, like, Drew Locke will turn over or, you know, putting the ball in danger as much mm-hmm. as Drew Locke will. Because Drew is going to trust his arm, then uh, he's going to throw the ball downfield, which is going to open up more opportunities for turnovers. But uh, Teddy's – going to take a little bit more conservative approach and and to be fair to teddy like i thought he had a really really strong preseason uh yeah against seattle was great efficient football throwing the ball downfield basically everything you want to see so i i guess i'll go with right move for taking teddy over drew but like you still got mahomes twice a year you still got justin herbert twice so that's i think where this gets a little tricky because it's it's so interesting charles to look at these decisions through the lens of the coaches because like i think bill belichick did what's best for the organization in the long term and i think potentially to win now i think matt nagy did what's best for no one (laughs) um i think uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I think Kyle Shanahan did what he feel, felt was best to win, as we and I have discussed. And I think Vic did too, but I'm not sure it's what's best for the organization long-term because there is an art. And, and people might be surprised to hear me say that because I think, I think Teddy gives you a better chance of winning games. I think this is a really, really good football team. I think Teddy played really well in the preseason. And I'll and get to that in a second. But, you know, with Drew Locke, you have the – high variance option where it's like, Hey, maybe this guy makes a drastic Josh Allen type leap. And suddenly we can actually compete with the chiefs and the chargers of the world, or maybe he sucks and we tank and get a quarterback next year. Right. And it's like, there is a case to be made for that. I think that is a pretty remote possibility though, that Drew Luck makes that leap. Um, So I respect (laughs) not like 
play rolling the dice there, even if Teddy has a lower hypothetical ceiling. Um, like my takeaway from being in Denver is he. I don't know. I don't know if you watched the uh, you know Rams Broncos preseason week three, but um, Teddy struggled at first. It was a little bit odd. Like they were trying to force the ball to Cortland Sutton, who it was his first game back, and uh, Albert O, the second tight end, um, yeah. who both of them looked good, and and both of them are coming back from injury. Uh, Sutton in particular was someone I was watching, and he was cutting really well. Like on the touch, he got the touchdown. He looks mm-hmm. totally healthy, um, and. It wasn't until that last – there was one final drive Teddy played where he was like – the one that Sutton scored on where he, I think, went like five for five or something and looked really good. But it's – the team is so good. Like, yeah. There, there's so many good players. I mean, you mentioned Von Miller. He came out really, really early and like walked by me and I almost like didn't recognize him. He just looks great. Like, I mean, he he looks really young and I don't know. That sounds weird, but – Somebody told me it was the earliest he had ever come out for a game. I was like, oh, really? Because I guess coming back from injury, he was just so excited to be back on the field. And Nate and I were texting about this. Like, there were a couple plays where his get-off was so absurd. I thought he was offsides, like, multiple mm-hmm. times. Um, I, I expect this front seven – oh, my God, they're playing New York week one. We'll talk about that in a second. I expect this Ooh. front seven to be insane. I think the secondary is insane. Um so, yeah, I mean, Teddy just got handed the keys to a Ferrari and like Teddy Bridgewater driving a Ferrari is just a very confusing mental image. Yeah, like we'll see what happens. I just like I, I think it's a good it's a right move for them just in terms of what they want to maximize this year. And like even on offense, like the receiver, they got a, a really talented uh, receiver room. Like they, they just cut uh six round rookie Seth Williams, who you know had some. Oh, fans. really? They cut him. Wow. During the draft season, uh, right? Like they they got dudes on on offense. Uh, they got a pretty good uh, running back situation. The offensive line is solid. Like you just kind of don't have to mess it up, Teddy. And I think that that could be enough to get them uh, into the wild card. But you know, as far as aspirations beyond that, it it just it, it I I guess if I was a Broncos fan, I'd be a little disappointed because we're sitting here like, man, like the rest of this team is capable of going on like a deep playoff run right. and we're just not quite there at quarterback you know unless teddy just has like this insane breakout season and he gets back to looking like the quarterback that viking fans thought that he could be uh before he had that devastating knee injury it just it, it it's gonna be fun in terms just to see like how far a quote-unquote like game manager type can take this roster but it just still feels like a little bit incomplete as a as a whole when we're looking at the rest of the the division, the conference, and the league. Yeah, I mean, the wrong call here, Charles, was not picking Teddy over Drew Locke. It was, you know what I'm about to say, passing on yep. Justin Fields. <laughs> this, like, this all ties together, right? Like, I, 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 I said this, like, I I feel like a, a, a lame, but, like, I think all the rookie quarterbacks have looked kind of good. And to me, like, the biggest losers are the Broncos, Panthers, Lions, frankly, because every all five of them, I, I think every single one of the teams I mentioned would be better off if they had any of the quarterbacks I just mentioned, or would be in Trevor Lawrence, of course, to, and Zach Wilson, too. Yeah, like the guy, the teams that had a chance to take these guys and didn't, <laughs> Falcons, uh, I'm looking at you oh, still. Yeah, right, them I too, mean, yeah. You, got, you just got to be kicking yourself at this point just a little bit because like you said like 
if I'm a fan of one of these teams that's drafted the guy, I feel good about what I've seen yes. in the preseason. All of them. Zach Wilson. All of them. Zach Wilson looked great. Trevor Lawrence, that game against Dallas, he, he you know, things finally came together for him as far as like the line giving him enough time and he looked good. Uh, we talked about Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Mac Jones. Like this quarterback class looks as talented as it was built to be uh, up to this point. And, you know, if you're the Panthers, like, Man, you had a great draft, and the last thing that you needed was that quarterback. And hope maybe, hopefully, Sam Darnold can be uh, that guy for you. Hopefully, Teddy Bridgewater can be that guy uh, for the Broncos. But you had a chance to to get a long term guy, and you just didn't do it for whatever reasons. And like a lot of the rookies that were taken instead of the quarterbacks have looked great. Like Sertan looks, I don't think he's allowed a single catch. I saw somewhere like he looks good. Um, JC Horn looks good. He looks as advertised. Um, obviously Kyle Pitts in his one catch looked like the world beater. We expect him to be uh, two on uh, chase. Not so much, but you know, we'll put, put a pin in that yeah, one, but, we're, we're on but yeah, but it doesn't matter because this is a quarterback league. I don't know what to say. Like I, you just can't feel good about it when you watch all these other, like every single one of these, th- those five teams, the Jags, the Jets, the Patriots, um, the Bears, <laughs> so many freaking rookie quarterbacks, who's, and the Niners, they're all pumped right now, right? Like I would be pumped. I mean, maybe, you know, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm not ready to do the like who is right, who is wrong, what order should they have gone in? Like it is literally week zero, but I, I don't know. You just... They all look really exciting. I, I'm, I'm trying not to overreact because um, I think I think the reason why I don't feel like I'm overreacting, Charles, is not that I'm like ready to like you know send any of the five to Canton, but they all look as like they all have shown the things we liked about them before the draft, like Zach Wilson's arm talent, Trevor Lawrence's everything, frankly, uh, incredible arm and athleticism, some of his off-platform throws and decision making, um, Trey Lance's ridiculous athleticism too my goodness justin fields playmaking mac jones's accuracy all have looked like they did in college yeah the signature traits are showing out and i I, that's fun like as like as as someone who just loves the nfl and football in general like i would love to see all five of these guys just come in uh and kill it you know i'm not someone who gets attached to draft takes anymore i mean it's just better football is more fun for all of us. And I'm, I'm just excited at the fact that, you know, we could have five quarterbacks in one class so far that potentially become second contract guys uh, down the line, which is just like extremely rare because, you know, right. usually, you know, you're expecting one of these guys to have maybe if it's not, you know, a, a great regular season, like some of these guys to just struggle in the preseason with their first action. And like, if we're talking about, maybe Trey Lance having the quote unquote worst preseason, like, and for what he put on tape, like that's really, really yeah. good. Uh, a good spot for the league to be in. So I'm pumped. I, I am really excited. And, you know, my dad is a, a bears fan and he's just like, wow, we have a, someone who looks like a real quarterback for the first time in like my entire life. So uh, <laughs> it, it's just kind of a cool, uh, I guess, torch passion to this next generation of quarterbacks. Cause you know, outside of Tom Brady, who looks like, this preseason guy, he looks like he's going to play till he's 50. I mean, he looks so good. I, but, don't, I don't even want to uh, talk outside, about it. It's so depressing. Yeah, outside of Brady, like we're ushering an era of quarterbacks out the door. So uh, it, it's good to to have these guys come in and look like competent starters. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but I really want someone now to Photoshop 
Charles with one of those, the Rob Lowe NFL hat. <laughs> I'm just happy for the future of the league. Okay, Charles. As always, let's well, wrap I up. Be You're well, being so positive. All right, bring some hate at the end. Five more questions. Let's let's get some hate, hate in here. And now it's time for dinks and dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Question one. Uh, we just said that the draft, conf- the preseason rather, made us feel good about all of the quarterbacks, or rather confirmed the things we liked about them. What's something you changed your mind on coming out of this preseason? Uh, the Giants, I, I guess I just thought that they <laughs> would have it together better than they did last year. And I, I, just, I was just thinking, like, look, you got – uh, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, Saquon Barkley's coming back. Uh, that just kind of seemed like enough weapons to maybe push them towards the top of the NMC East standing. Like even with Dak Prescott coming back, like that defense, they still look uh, pretty good, poised to take another step. Uh, and I thought that maybe the offense just had enough talent to kind of circumvent maybe the issues they have with offensive line or, or coaching, or whatever. But Man, they look bad. Like that, the offensive line, they don't look like they can block a soul. Uh, Andrew Thomas has not had a great preseason. Matt Pert has not had a great preseason. Uh, you can kind of feel the desperation that they're going through because they just traded for two Kill. guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with the Ravens, I forget the, the guy they drafted from Michigan and then Billy Price from the Billy Bengals, Price. who was a first time player uh, a few years ago. Like, yeah. you can kind of feel the desperation as far as the offensive line goes. And then, you know, and Daniel Jones only. Uh, preseason action, he didn't really look uh, that sharp. So, you know, and, and also with the Kadarius Tony pick, like, is he, what is he, happening? Like, what is going on? You're no, in New York. Can you explain look, to me what is happening with Kadarius look, Tony? I, no one knows. Like, I mean, I'm not on the beat anymore, but even people who are on the beat, they're like, the team has been pretty tight lipped about uh, what's going on with Tony. All they said is that he's injured, uh, and that's it. Like, we're talking about a rookie that. Like didn't show like didn't show for OTAs. He had COVID at one point. It just is kind of a, a mess right now as far as that goes. So they're going to be very defense heavy again. Uh, and I guess I just kind of wonder like how far can a defense that mm. doesn't have a great pass rush take you? Because I think that secondary is going to be pretty good. Uh, again, James Bradbury is a star, but the rest of the team, uh, you know, we just kind of got to see how it unfolds. And I think that if you're a Giants fan. That offensive line paired with like another year of Jason Garrett, unless he, you know, figures out how to pull together like an offense that is creative and has good sequencing uh, in terms of busting up in big plays, that's just kind of going to be uh, a tough season for them again. But, you know, they could also be one of these teams where they have enough talent on offense if guys stay healthy that maybe they scrap for a playoff spot. But I, I just am kind of pessimistic, uh, more, more pessimistic than I was about them going into the preseason. So the Giants open against the aforementioned nightmare Broncos defense. I think they yeah. got the Washington week two. Oh, God. Yeah. Wait, oh. but then they get the Falcons week three. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> okay, question two. Um, David Bakhtiari is going to open the season on the pup list, so he's out six weeks. How big of a deal is this? Because uh, I, I texted our mutual friend, Justice Mosqueda, Say his name right, Justice Muscata, right? Um, justice, Packer, yeah. He's at Justice, pardon me. Uh, he's on the pack. He's now at Acme Packing Company covering the Packers for SB Nation. Just to ask him, like, so what is this offensive line? So, because I figured he would know. So, Elton Jenkins is playing left tackle, been like one of the best draft picks. I mean, yeah. Brian Gudikins, 
for all, for as angry as Aaron Rodgers is at him, the dude has killed the draft recently. Um, yeah. So, and then uh, uh, Josh Myers, rookie, is starting, but also Royce Newman, who's apparently had a great, the fourth round draft pick out of Ole Miss. He, he's going to start at guard, which is interesting. Opposite Luke Patrick, and then on the right tackle, you're gonna, right side, you're going to have Billy Turner. Like, do, are you worried? Because that line just turned all the way over. Yeah, that's uh, that definitely be. Uh, I'd be a little story. worried. If I'm a, a Packers fan, you know, the, I guess the cool thing about it is the person that I'm least concerned about is the guy that's moving from guard to left tackle, Wild. Elton Jenkins. I Did mean, you, the that dude guy, has played like every position. Yeah, like I, I at this point, I feel like he could be a, like at least a Pro Bowler at every position on the line. I mean, the guy is just unbelievable. So you know, you you feel good about that, but then the interior, that's that's tough to 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 kind of work around and. Uh, you know, you're going to have Bakhtiari gone for at least six weeks. You're going to play the 49ers and the Steelers uh, and the Bears, I think, in that in that time span, which can be, you know, tough as far as defensive fronts can go and what they throw at you with their blitz packages, especially with the Steelers. Uh, that's going to be a little bit of a difficult situation for them to navigate. But luckily, you were able to convince Aaron Rodgers to come back, which obviously helped tremendously. But the – but Outside of Eldon Jenkins, I just have major questions about uh, this offensive line in general, and and that Bakhtiari injury, like they're going to feel that un- until he gets back. Whether it's enough for them to like lose multiple games in that time span, I'm not quite convinced about that because you know I I just am obviously like who's not a big believer in Aaron Rodgers based on what you put on the tape last year, but. Uh, if this is something that persists for the whole season, it, it is it is yeah. something that could help uh, or, or could dampen like their playoff run uh, in the future. I mean, if David Bakhtiari plays in the NFC Championship, I think they're in the Super Bowl. So yeah, it's like he's it's that good. Ball. I he's you know I mean as good as Elton Jenkins is like David Bakhtiari is one of the two to three best left tackles in football. So maybe the best. So I, it's. It's a big loss, I, but you know, I, I still think the Packers' roster is so stacked that, and, and the scheme covers up a lot of issues, especially in the run game. But still, uh, in terms of the offensive line, but it's something to keep your eye on. Let's talk one one more injury. Um, question three, which is another publicist guy, uh, Stephon Gilmore. So this is one that I think kind of people saw coming. Um, I've been like really talking up the Pats' defense, and I think from the preseason, like you've had like a standout performer in just about every game on defense, whether it's been Josh Uche, Matt Judon, Hightower, Christian Barmore. Are you worried at all, though, about the secondary? Uh, Yeah, a little bit, just because, like, the last time we saw Stephon Gilmore play, like, last year, like, when he, he wasn't, like, totally healthy last year, but he didn't look like that dominating guy that we saw in 2019 where the Patriots looked like the most unstoppable pass defense that, you know, we had seen uh, in quite some time, you know, he was kind of up and down uh, throughout the whole season. But last year, I think that, you know, when you don't have the same caliber front seven play, that's obviously going to hurt a secondary that's banged up. So, you know, I think that this is definitely concerning for them, like not having Stefan Gilmore for, uh, you know, in at least six weeks because he's on the the pup list uh but like like we said you get high tire back matt judon i thought is like outstanding uh Whew. in 
in this new scheme, like with the Patriots, and he looks cool as hell wearing that number nine. Uh, so, and it's like you got Judon Christian Barmore on the interior, uh, Devon got Devon got Joe, who came from Miami. Uh, some other guys, high to hard back. They they might have enough up front to mitigate some of the problems they have in the secondary. But you know, for the first time, like in a while, like I don't feel like super positive that the Patriots. Uh, at least coming into the season, have a secondary that is just going to erase receivers and shut people down. I mean, they still have some talented yeah. guys uh, back there, but it would really, really help to have Stefan Gilmore back and, and playing to the level that we know that he's capable of. Yeah, it, it's like a sneaky thin area on the team because they have a lot yeah. of depth, but not an outside corner. So Jalen Mills, right, is – they're riding with Jalen Mills for <laughs> – he's okay i i just think it's a lot more pressure on the front seven than you would otherwise have um but yeah yeah i i it's funny like there's all these this quarterback news really overshadowed like all these like massive injuries um with michael thomas as well but that brings me actually to question four which is about michael thomas so michael thomas another public guy the saints um Wide receiver group is thin. Marquez Callaway has emerged as the best wide receiver in the world. Uh, somebody tweeted at me that he'd be better than Mike Evans this year, and I told him to get back me at the end of the season. <laughs> if he is better than Mike Evans, I'm going to publicly apologize to that man. Um, I do love Marquez <laughs> Callaway, though. But anyways, there have actually been some surprising cuts around the NFL in terms of wide receivers. Uh, Tyron Johnson in L.A., that one really shocked me. Travis Fulgham, yeah. John Brown. Is there anyone you think would be particularly suited for the Saints? Yeah, I, Tyron Johnson is the name that uh, when I saw that he got uh, cut or waved by the Chargers, I was like, whoa, because yeah. he had some great chemistry with Justin Herbert last year. And uh, just in general, like I thought that that receiving core really could have used his speed because, uh, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, they, they're capable of making big plays, but they aren't burners like the way uh, that Johnson is. So that's, that's the guy where, you know, if I'm looking at, the Saints or not just the Saints, really any team that needs a receiver, I'm putting in a waiver claim uh, immediately on that guy. And I mean, I, I wouldn't even be surprised like if Jacksonville signed him because we all know the affinity that Urban Meyer has for speed and there aren't too many guys that mm. are faster in the league than him. And just like when you go back to that game against Tampa Bay last year, which I guess was one of the, the games where we realized, oh, Justin Herbert, like this dude's for real. Uh, you know those seventy-yard bombs. They they look a lot better when Wait. someone who runs like a four-two or four-three is right there, able to catch it. So uh, that one surprised me. And then uh, Fulgham. That that's another one where if I'm a team that needs a receiver, needs someone that can come in and compete right away uh, as like a wide receiver three, then yeah, mm -hmm. I'm I'm definitely gonna put in a waiver claim on him too. Yeah, that John. I, I've been watching a lot of Justin Herbert highlights from last year and it is amazing like Johnson and then Jalen Guyton I guess they like Guyton um yeah who's also very fast had some drops but I know they liked Palmer Josh Palmer the rookie because he got so much action in the preseason but it is a very deep group but I think I, I would have thought they would have kept him so that's definitely a name to keep your eye on all right last question as always comes from Lenny um oh wow Lenny did some research um so Lenny has been surfing spotrack.com and he noticed oh, wow. that in 2022 next year uh, Justin Fields cap hit is just over 4 million dollars whereas Matt Ryan comes in at 
48 million. So he just wants to know as a, as a Falcons fan, how does that make you feel? When did Lenny learn how to use computer? Uh, it makes me feel bad, Lenny, and I hope that you don't get your treats today. <laughs> Actually, gonna go feed him right now. But Lenny, did you see the Kyle Pitts highlight the other day? For a, a second, everything was okay in Atlanta. For a fleeting second.